Hey, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Today I'll be beginning a new sermon series called Subversive Unity, a kingdom vision for our present chaos. Um, with all that's happening with the uh, upcoming election, uh, I think it's important for us, us to understand what is the, the posture of um, those who are Christ followers in the midst of what's going on. How is God calling us even now to posture ourselves as we sending out about ballots as we are having uh, divisive conversations. So today I'll be reading from um, John 17, verse 1 to 3. Actually, the entire sermon series for the next four weeks, we'll be looking at this chapter of um, uh, chapter 17, John chapter 17. Here's what it says, today's scripture reading. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the reading of the word today. And you know, if you were to ask anyone, what are you most anxious about? What are you most mad about? Probably one of those things that will come up would say, well, the upcoming election, the political landscape. Um, and with it coming two weeks, two weeks away, a lot of us are stressed out about it. There was a, a stat that was released by New York, uh, that the New York Times um, uh, uh, documented, and it said about 68% of adults say that the presidential election is a significant source of stress in their lives. And then you add everything else that is going on, right? And it's just, it just feels way too much. And then if you're watching the news, if you're a news junkie, it's probably even more exacerbated by, uh, by, by all the things that we're reading. So a lot of us are anxious. A lot of us are stressed out. You know, what's interesting about the passage we just read, this is a prayer Jesus is saying to God just as he's about to go to the cross. This is a very stressful moment for him. He's about to be handed to the Roman authorities. He was just betrayed by Judas, and he is going to be tortured and crucified. So, of course, he's in deep agony and distress, recognizing the enormous pain and suffering he's about to go through. And on this night, on this very dark night, we find Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. He prays to God and he prays for us. This chapter that we're looking through really is this, this pivotal moment as we understand the role of Christ, the, 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 we understand Christ, his role for us, and we understand the role of the church in the world, that we are called to be united. We're called to be united in love and in community. So in, but in this particular um, um, verse that we just read, we see Jesus say something very interesting. He says, 
he, he talks about eternal life. In verse 3, he says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Really what he's saying here is that eternal life is knowing God. It's having this deep relationship with God. It's, it's, it's this knowing of truth. That itself is eternal life. Quite often, the way we think of eternal life, we think of it as some future promise. We think of something that is to come. If you know Jesus now, then in some distant future, you will have eternal life. But actually, that's not what it's saying here. It's saying that Jesus is ushering eternity to those who believe and have accepted him as Lord and Savior. And as we talk about this quite often, this, uh, uh, this gift that we have, this gift of eternity, this gift of salvation, it's offered to us not based on our merit or our morality, but simply by the grace of God. And it's always important that we remember that. So to those who have chosen Christ over country, Christ over party, Christ over career, Christ over all, eternity is at their grasp. Eternity begins here and now. It's not something that happens then, it's now. It's not something that happens there, it's here. Eternity is now. And really, this is the consistent continuum of the Christian life, of the, of, the, of, the, of the believer, is that as we continue to know Jesus, we know him in this life, but also in the next life. Eternity is now. I remember when I was um, in seminary school, I was uh, getting my master's there, and I, was, I think I was about 25 years old, and when I first started, one of the first, one of the things, the, mo the most important thing that I was interested in was graduating. My goal was to graduate as fast as I can because all I can think about was that future date where the promise of leaving school and li living the life that I wanted to live was, uh, you know, was, was right before me. And that was all I was concerned with. So I would pack up all of my schedule with credits, with classes, and in the midst of doing all that, I was, I was an anxious mess. I was stressed out. I was tired. It was way too much. And I remember one semester just so stressed out, realizing, oh my gosh, I, I am so concerned about this future date and I'm not actually present. I'm not giving myself the space and the time to be present here and now. And so often that's how we think about eternity. Even in this pandemic and what's happening with, with the upcoming elections, we're all looking to this future date when everything will be fine, everything will be okay. Once the pandemic is over, I'll be okay. But I want to remind us here today that eternity begins here and now. That our life with God begins here and now. And that should give us the confident resolve 
to stand strong and to persevere with, despite what's happening all around us. That we don't have to be tossed around by the situations of our time, by the circumstances of our day, but that we can have this confident resolve that is, that is completely, that has nothing to do with the outcome um, uh, that, that we may desire or we may want. That we don't have to react with a paralyzing fear or a belligerent rage because of what's going on, but that we can be strong because eternity is here and now. In, in Mark 1, verse 15, uh, uh, Jesus said uh, to, to his disciples there, he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And that's one of the words that we hear often in, in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew. The kingdom of God is at hand, and Jesus is ushering in the kingdom. In Luke 10, verse 9, he tells his disciples, heal, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus has usher, ushered his kingdom into, into our space and our time. But he's also inviting us, those of us who have accepted Jesus, to invite his kingdom into our world. In the Lord's Prayer, it says one of, one of the, 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 the greatest lines that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying God's kingdom, God's purposes, God's will in our lives, in our families, in our world. And as we even utter that prayer, we are, we, are, we are participating in God's renewal project to bring his kingdom to our relationships, to our work, to our church, and even to our political landscape, to our country, and to our government. Now you might ask, well, where is the kingdom of God in all of this? Where is this God reality that, that you speak of? It doesn't seem present. It doesn't seem obvious to us. And honestly, I think all we have to do really is to look in our own hearts and see our own wicked ways and see how in, in all of our selfishness that we often are the hindrance to God's kingdom to coming here. Because we often have our own vision of what that kingdom should look like. Or worse still, we have built competing kingdoms and loyal, loyalties that completely derails, derail us from God's will and God's purposes. You know, it's, it's been disheartening to see, you know, especially during this time, just to see Christians get so caught up in, in a political party, in a political fight, that they completely align themselves with just um, one party or the other. And I think in many ways it has led us to a path where our witness, 
our Christian witness has become compromised. It's not, it's, it's so aligned with categories that have been set for us. In 1949, a French author, Jacques Ellul, wrote a book called Presence in the Modern World. And he addresses that the delicate, delicate place, he addresses the delicate place Christians should find themselves in our society. He says this, Christians and the church could not hold themself, themselves aloof from the history of human beings but neither could they become assimilated into one of the political currents, which too often had been the case throughout the church's history. Nor could they succumb to the temptation of wanting to elaborate a Christian society, a Christian state, a Christian politics. Instead, Christians should live on the margin of this totalitarian society, not by rejecting it outright, but by sifting it thoroughly. What does that mean? He's saying that we are to live as misfits in the world, that we are not supposed to fit in so neatly or so clearly into a, a, a category that, that has been set. But instead, we should be a category all by itself, that in some cases, some people might think we are conservative, and then people might think we're liberal because, you know, we, 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 we care for the disenfranchised, we care for uh, justice and compassion. And in some cases, we might fit in the middle. At the end of the day, there is no category for us. We, don't, we, we can't fit neatly into the pocket of categories a secular society have set. Tish Harrison Warren also said this, that the reconstruction of a Christian vision of politics is more comprehensive than merely holding nonpartisan political views. A robustly Christian political theology requires that Christians become a different kind of people who, whose lives bear witness to Jesus in ways that the world finds astonishing, perplexing, and unrecognizable. It's pretty humid and hot in here, so I'm just like wiping down my sweat. But, but yeah, so again, we don't fit into any kind of category, but instead we shine bearing witness to the person of Jesus. You know, uh, the one thing, too, that also we bear in mind is that the systems of our world are often perpetuated by manipulation, by oppression, by fear, by power, wealth, and all the vices of the human heart. But God's kingdom, on the, on the other hand, is ushered through the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. That in his love, we find God's kingdom uh, uh, established in our world. 
So the question before us, as I close, is how then can we be united in participation to bring the kingdom of God to bear in our world? Well, first, it's, it's pretty much what the passage tells us. This is eternal life, that we know God and his son whom he sent. For us to bear uh, uh, the kingdom of God in our world is for us to know God and his son. This is eternal life. This is everything. This is what life is all about, to have that living and breeding relationship with God. And friends, we do this as we engage in, in the practices and the disciplines of prayer and scripture and fellowship and solitude with God. That we embrace, fully embrace who God is and grow in our knowledge and relationship with him. This is, uh, and Paul, Paul says this in Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. My friends, as we embrace fully our knowledge of God, as we grow in our faith in God, we, we have no choice, we have no reason to be anxious. We have no reason to be stressed out. But we have the peace of God with us. So let us continue to pursue God. Let us continue to be united in our participation as we um, learn and, and, and know who God and his son is. Let this be so for us. Amen. Would you join us as we respond in worship and in song?